Well, it's Monday. What do we do on Mondays? Oh, that's right. Winners and losers and the latest on the Pac-12 championship picture, which changed for some teams who didn't play on Saturday. Let's go. Locked on Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Oh, yes. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pac-12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, do one play-by-play broadcaster, and thank you for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Pac-12. It is the Pac-12 conference every day, which is why, if you haven't already, please like, comment, subscribe, wherever you're listening to or watching the show. Thank you to everybody out there who has done so already. Today's episode of Lockdown Pac-12 is brought to you by Sling TV. Don't miss this week's matchup between Utah and Washington State coming on Thursday and the other four games in the Pac-12 on Saturday right here on Sling. Sling, the TV you love for a price you'll love. Try it today. And yes, indeed, they do have the Pac-12 network, which is not as easy to access as we would all perhaps like, but they've got it on Sling because they are fantastic. So go check them out. Now, what a weekend it was in the Pac-12. And uh, just four games, just four games over the weekend. I have to say my favorite part was when the Pac-12 prime picks got out of the hole. If I'd listened to my initial gut, it could have been 3-0, but I, that's okay. We're, we're out of the hole. We got, we got back on the plus side thanks to a thrilling late night game between Washington and Cal. More on that later. But the winners and losers of the week and everything in between are how we're starting today's show because that's how we do it on our Monday show here on Locked On Pac-12. Biggest winner from the weekend, Oregon. They continue to control their own destiny in the Pac-12. They are now the only remaining unbeaten team in conference play. They rattled off six straight wins. Their offense is playing well. Their defense is not perfect, but it's playing well enough to complement the explosive offense. Bo Nix is a completely different player. A lot of good things happening for Dan Lanning in his first season. And after that horrific start, 49-3 against Georgia, I don't think anybody, myself included, expected them to be playing at this level at this point in the season. They're a very dangerous team, and they have now got six wins. Their next two games are Cal and Colorado. Should be wins number seven and eight here this season. And then the meat of their uh, Pac-12 schedule to end the season with Utah, Washington, both those at home, and then Oregon State on the road. Those are going to be very, very spicy. So they're the only outright winner this week where I feel the fan bases are going to wake up on Wednesday morning still a little bit high on the fumes from what happened on Saturday afternoon. But a number of other teams had good weekends. One of them, the USC Trojans. Wait, Spencer. USC didn't play. How could they be in the lean win category? I will tell you how. Since Oregon beat UCLA, the Trojans are now into the Pac-12 championship game if they win out. That wasn't always the case before. But now that UCLA has a loss, if they win out, USC that is, they'll hand the Bruins their second loss. And if there are no upsets and we get to those fun tiebreakers that we talked about last week and I frankly, never want to talk about again, but have to on a weekly basis because it's always relevant here in the Pac-12. USC would be in over UCLA because they'd have a better record and the head-to-head. And then even if Utah beats Oregon, then what you'd have 
is that three-team tiebreaker where USC and Oregon would get in because they both beat UCLA, which would be the next highest-seeded team that's a common opponent. The other thing that's at player for USC is Utah coming into the year was always probably going to be a favorite, even going at Autzen Stadium based on how last year's games went. Well, Oregon looks like a much better team than what they were a season ago on a week-to-week basis. They're beating teams much more handily than they did in 2021. So now if you're USC, you look up and go, well, wait a minute. If we beat UCLA, that would be the Bruins' second loss. USC doesn't really have another losable game that wouldn't be a major upset left on their schedule. And then Utah has to go at Oregon, not to Salt Lake City. The Ducks are not going to the state of Utah. No, 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 no. They have to go to Watson Stadium, where Oregon's won 23 in a row. So for you, USC fan, you're waking up and thinking, boy, that path just got a lot clearer. It just got a lot easier because Oregon took care of UCLA on Saturday. The The Trojans, a lean win this week here on the show. Oregon State, also a lean win. I've been consistent with this throughout the year. I put teams in this category when they win and look the way they should against a team that is inferior. We all know Colorado is the worst team in the Pac-12 this year. Maybe, unfortunately, one of the worst in the Power Five. And if you're Oregon State, you have higher hopes than just beating the Buffs, a team you lost to a year ago and shouldn't have. Part of the reason they fired their defensive coordinator, and that defensive unit is nasty. The secondary is filthy, and the offense at home continues to perform at a more than adequate level. They win. They cover. Shout out for the Pac-12 prime picks, of course. But they played the way they should. Now, normally, I I don't think this is a game against Colorado. Oregon State fans waking up on Wednesday going, oh, man, can't believe you beat Colorado. That was so exciting. I'm still really. No, it's nothing like that. But they looked the way a good team does against an inferior opponent. That's always gotten you a lean win here on the show this year. It always will. So the Bees are in there. Now, I consider this being a no opinion, but I'm going lean win here for Washington. It wasn't pretty (laughs) against Cal. It wasn't pretty, but I think no matter how a result takes place, when you're a team like the Huskies this year that have struggled on the road, just getting a win away from home, no matter who it's against, no matter how it happens, no matter how the game was officiated, regardless of any of that, when you leave home, and come back on that flight with a victory, it can do a lot for your team's confidence. They have tough road games remaining this year. They have to go. They do get Oregon State at home right after the bye, which is going to be an awesome game. They have to go at Oregon to Autzen Stadium. That's a tough place to play. And they have to go at Washington State. You know the Cougars, no matter where they're at in their season at that point, and they're going through a tough stretch in their schedule at the moment, they're going to get up for that game. And the Pullman fans are going to show up for that game. And it was not Washington and Cal. It's one of those things. Cal is kind of like this with everybody, frankly. They just find a way to hang around in games. The announcers were talking about it all game long on Saturday night. Well, Washington's dominating the yardage here, but Cal's still in the game. Cal led this game at one point. Washington came back and won. Cal covered. It's probably the best prediction I've had all year for an individual game. I said Washington would win, Cal would cover, which is exactly what took place. They needed a little bit of a miracle touchdown from Jack Plummer to Anderson, the wide receiver there, 
to make it happen, but they got it done. But if you're Washington, you just want to win that game. They've played some funky, funky games over the years. There was a 12-10 in there. There was like a 20, I think it was like a 21-19. They've played some crazy games. And if you're a Husky fan, you're saying, you know what? Cal's always giving us fits for some reason. We got it out of the way. Got to win on the road. That puts you in a lean win feeling right now. There's a team that is not contending for a Pac-12 championship this year. And we all know that. But sometimes just winning is enough to get you into that lean win category, no matter where your season may be headed. And I'll tell you who that team is after I remind you that this week's thrilling moment in college football is brought to you by Nissan. The thrilling designs behind the new lineup from Nissan are intended to empower drivers and vehicles as capable as the driver themselves. When I think of unbelievable abilities on the field for this week's thrilling moment, it has to be not one particular play necessarily. Because there were a number of options I could have gone for this week's thrilling play. But I tell you the one that had me looking all over the screen, and it doesn't seem like a lot, but it was pretty cool to watch on TV. And it was Washington's two-point play against Cal, where they line up, someone next to Penix in the backfield, they shift, they hand it off to Penix after snapping it to another guy. He fakes an end around, throws a guy to a corner in the end zone. It was really smart. It was really clever. And it was just a two-point conversion play. It got you the same result as a three-yard rush up the middle. But guess what? I wanted to watch it five times because it was really, really enticing and it was very well executed as well. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier Armada or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. So the final team in the lean wind department this week is Stanford. It counts. <laughs> that's that's all I could say. The other thing, too, for the Cardinal, they're a miracle touchdown by Oregon State away from being a team that is over 500. And it doesn't matter to them who they're playing. They've won two in a row. The defense looks more like the Stanford defenses of old. We know that they're not because we saw USC move the ball at will and Oregon move the ball at will. They still have a lot of problems. But when you're the Cardinal and you're just fighting and looking for a win wherever you can get it, you take it wherever you can get it. So they get a lean win designation this week because they won. And they're three and four, which is a nice place for them to be. They have to go on the road to UCLA. They're probably going to get smacked pretty good in that one against a Bruins team that is coming off a big game that ended up being a loss in, in Eugene to the Ducks. And now they come back home. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a that's a candidate for the Pac-12 prime picks this week even though the line's opening it. I think UCLA around 15, 14 and a half, 15. They can win that game by uh, by 25, I think, pretty darn easily. So five teams whose fan bases should have good vibes to varying degrees uh, this week. No opinion. Washington State had a bye. No opinion. Nothing changed for them. Not in the Pac-12 championship game picture. They've lost too many league games after that 3-0 and start, right? They're just one and three since, but... They uh, have a big game coming up this Thursday at home against Utah. I picked that as an upset before the year started. You'll just have to keep liking and subscribing and catch up with the daily content we've got here locked on Pac-12 to see if I still feel that way going into this week's matchup between the Utes and the the Cougars. But uh, also worthy of note, that game on a Thursday. Prime time. 
for craziness and upsets. Always has been in the Pac-12. Just saying, just throwing it out there, but they didn't play. No opinion. Colorado, you know, I almost put them in the lean win category because they scored a touchdown because I didn't think they would. <laughs> I thought Oregon State would win and cover. I am surprised the Buffs got in the end zone. Good for them. But this is still the same Colorado team that, you know, I'm glad they got a win against Cal. I really am coming into the year. That's the only win I thought they could potentially get. You shouldn't have to go through 0-12 as a fan base. I don't know if Colorado can find a win the rest of the year. And that Oregon State defense looked the part, you know, against a bad Colorado team for sure. But, you know. I don't, I don't feel differently, right? You go in this category, if I don't feel differently about a team compared to the week prior, if the outcome or lack thereof does not change my perception or how their fans should feel about the team, I think Colorado's in that category. Arizona as well, they had a buy. Uh, no opinion here on UCLA. Now, that may come as a surprise because UCLA had a chance to stay undefeated, beat Oregon on the road, stay in the top 10 stay in the college football playoff discussion, had an opportunity to do all of those things. But I didn't think they would win the game going in. I thought they might cover. I, I, I thought they would. Six points was a lot, but they settled for too many field goals and allowed too many touchdowns. That was a difference in the game, 45 to 30, the final score. But do I feel differently about UCLA today? No. I, if you told me right now, if someone came back in in a time machine time machine that they borrowed from Marty McFly and said, "Hey, by the way, UCLA is eleven and one right now," I'd believe you. Look at their schedule. I would one hundred percent believe you. They've got the Arizona schools. They've got Stanford. They've got USC and Cal. They could very easily end the year eleven and one. Coming into the season, I thought it'd be ten and two. But Arizona State's not as good as I thought. Now Arizona State is also a feisty team, as we know, and crazy stuff can happen in the desert, as Washington knows, and Oregon knows that from years past as well. I think everybody kind of does. You can just have weird things that happen down there. I don't know why. I don't know if it's the heat. Who knows? But that can happen from time to time. But UCLA still has all of their goals in front of them. And they were being talked about going into that game against Oregon last week as a dark horse college football playoff contender. And guess what? They could still make it. They could 100% still make it. Here's how. Win the rest of your games, get to the Pac-12 championship game, play Oregon, beat Oregon, and then you're not only a one-loss conference champion, you have avenged your only loss, which when the Ducks got in the college football playoff is exactly what they did. They lost to Arizona at home, and Arizona was good that year with a new Solomon and Rich Rod and Scooby Wright. Oh, that was a great, great football player and an even better name. But then they met again in the Pac-12 championship game. Oregon trounces them in Santa Clara. And then they're into the college football playoff. So the sky is not falling for UCLA. I still think they're a good team. But they hadn't been on the road. And I think they're now more battle-tested than they were prior to that meeting in Austin Stadium. But they had 60,000 screaming fans in a place where the Ducks have won now 23 in a row. It's a tough place to play. And just because they lost the game, I didn't think it was such a disastrous showing from them to where I'd say, yeah, I, you know, maybe uh, we overvalued them after this or that. Like, no, I still think they could beat USC right now. I'd still pick them to beat USC playing at home. That could change in the coming month, but I still think this is a good UCLA team that's still got a great quarterback, 
Still got a great running back. Still got a great receiver. Still has a solid defense. Yeah, they got exploited a little bit. But no defense is perfect every week, especially not in this conference. It really just hasn't happened week in and week out for somebody. Maybe Utah a year ago is the closest thing we've seen. But they've still got Chip Kelly. They've still got all their goals in front of them. And I think they'll recognize that and understand why that should motivate them to keep playing as hard as they were going into it because they still control their own destiny. Especially, I mean, Oregon has looked just ridiculous on offense at home. And UCLA knows that Utah's defense has taken a step back from what it was a year ago. I probably overvalued them a couple weeks ago when I said, yeah, I think they're still probably number one in the Pac-12. Well, now they're giving up 40 points in back-to-back weeks. Granted, they played USC and UCLA in that stretch. But still, it's not exact. It's not up to the level that they expect to be defensively there. But I still think UCLA is a really good team. So if Oregon were to beat Utah and hand them their second loss, then UCLA would have to win out, and they could get a rematch with Oregon. All their goals right there in front of them, so no opinion on uh, on UCLA. Lean lose this week. The Utah Utes had a bye, but they're going to need an upset somewhere. They're going to need somebody to lose or some craziness to unfold if they're going to get to the Pac-12 championship game because they've lost the head-to-head with UCLA. They won the head-to-head with USC, but as we've discussed, If it's Utah, USC, and Oregon, then Utah doesn't get to go, which is pretty crazy. Like, I I understand the rule, but I don't know how you haven't written it in that if one team has beaten both of the other two teams, then they get to go ahead of them. But Utah still has a lot of goals, right? Not college football playoff, of course, but they can still get in there. But now the path looks like it's a little bit tougher, and Oregon looks like they're a little bit better, specifically on offense. Than, than a lot of people thought coming into this year. And you have to go into Autzen Stadium and you just watched a team that beat you pretty comfortably, right? By the time the game was late in the fourth quarter, it was a 17-point UCLA lead. You watch that team go in and lose by 15 of the Ducks in Autzen and you've got to go play them later this year in that same stadium. Not a disaster, not a calamity, not a full-on loser, right? The Utah Utes this week, but certainly in that lean-lose department because it's, it's not what the... Uh, it's looking like it's going to be tougher than it was a couple weeks ago for these to get back to the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, a couple more teams to talk about, then a mailbag question to answer. And uh, yeah, it's kind of spicy. It's about a little off-season drama that we saw took place in the Pac-12 and one particular transfer quarterback. I'll tell you all about it after I tell you about Sweat Block. Created by a doctor to help with his own excessive sweating, it is doctor-created and doctor recommend it. Sometimes in this uh, studio setup I've got where I record, the sun comes in the window, I'm wearing a cotton shirt, and I can feel myself starting to sweat, and I need something like Sweat Block to help me out. If you or someone you know, whether it's a family member or a friend or a coworker, colleague, whoever is having problem with that or excessive odor, you got to go check out Sweat Block. Save 20% with the promo code Locked On. that's two words, at SWEATBLOCK.com. Dot com. That's 20% off with the promo code locked on, two words, at sweatblock.com. It's also available on Amazon. So, final two teams to uh, evaluate for the week Lean Lose, the Cow Bears. You drop a couple games in a row that you're right in. You're, you're, you're right there. And look, I, I'm not sure what their expectations were coming into this year. Mine were not very high. 
I thought they'd be four and eight by the end of the season. It looks like they might be destined for another five and seven, but four and eight or frankly three and nine. They could lose out. They'll probably find a way to win one game. I don't see them winning more than two with the schedule that's there. And they had a chance on Saturday night because of the way their defense played, shocker, to win a game. They had a chance to win a game again, and the offense couldn't come through. Again, the offense was overmatched. Washington's defensive front was just mauling the Bears. Jack Plummer, it is a miracle he continued to stay in that game. I've not been very high in his talent. I will never question that guy's toughness. He stood in the pocket. He played as well as he could, right, for the player that he is, and he was taking shot after shot after shot after shot, and he just kept getting back up, and he just kept coming. But if you're Cal, it's two weeks in a row where you've been in a situation with an opportunity to win the game, and you just haven't been able to pull it out. And if you're Cal, there are just not that many opportunities to do that. And losing to Colorado, big disappointment. And this would have been their biggest win of the year so far. And then you had Marshawn Lynch and Justin Forsett there getting inducted to the Hall of Fame. And to make matters worse, Marshawn didn't just drop an F-bomb on TV, which was pretty hilarious. And then he kind of forgot that he did that, and he dropped another swear word 10 seconds later. He's just a national treasure, that guy. I'm such a huge Marshawn fan. But he took a shot at the crowd, too. He looked around and said, yeah, the students are here, but where's everybody else? Like, this isn't what it was when I was here. And he was right. If you go look at Marshawn Lynch highlights, Memorial Stadium used to fill up a lot more than it did. Now, their crowd was better than I think it has been the last couple of years for that Washington game. But overall, there's still a lot of empty seats there compared to what the capacity is and compared to what we've seen that place be. And it's one of the bigger stadiums, I think, in the Pac-12. And they actually made a good amount. Of noise. Like the students show up and they were talking about it on the broadcast. But fans and alumni in the community just don't. And that's disappointing if you're any football program when when that's the case. And so that kind of, you know, threw, threw a little salt in the wound for Cal on a, on a, on a night where they had a chance to, to pull an upset and they just couldn't quite get it done. Also, the offensive line. I can think two things at once. UCLA's front four. Guys like Zion Tupola, Fatui, and, and a number of others looked really good. And the offensive line also looked really bad. I mean, Plummer had no time to throw. It reminded me of my college intramural flag football games where the offensive linemen weren't allowed to use their hands to block because then it would get too physical and yada, yada, yada. And so as a result, playing quarterback, you had like two seconds to throw the ball, and that was it. It was not... Uh, not a great situation, and Plummer was just taking shot after shot. Finally, before I get to the mailbag question, the uh, the only outright loser of the week, most people in the middle, only one outright winner, Oregon with the big win with, uh, with game day there in Eugene as well. And then the outright loser of the week, Arizona State. Now, this is not a program that's going to accomplish anything this year. They probably won't be bowl eligible by the end of it. But they're just looking for good vibes. They're just looking for wins. And when they beat Washington, it's a great vibe for the Sun Devils. And they feel good about it. We'll talk to Richie Bradshaw of Locked On Sun Devils later this week. I think he's still mourning this loss because they lost a game, for those of you who didn't see it, final score 15-14. to Yes, Stanford didn't have a touchdown in this game. And they won. Props to their kicker. That's not a good look for the Sun Devils. You had a 14-6 lead, 
couldn't move it down the field. It looked like on fourth and 19, they were going to score. Guy goes wide open down the sideline. Emery Jones leads him too far out of bounds. He contorts his body and snares it with one hand, but his foot comes down half on the chalk, and that was it. Tough. Just just a tough, tough day for the Sun Devils. Not uh, A defense doesn't allow a touchdown, you lose. It sounds bad saying it out loud, doesn't it? Yeah, it's because it was bad. Okay, let's uh, close with a mailbag question here. And if you ever want a question answered here on the show, no matter what team you're talking about, tweet with the hashtag AskLOP12 or just DM me. That's easier to, it for you too. At Smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore Pac-12. Or you can hop in the YouTube comments. I monitor those daily as James Bordeaux did. He said, this is off subject, but I would truly appreciate an answer. I will give you one. You said on another broadcast that Jaden Delora left Washington State because he was informed by the coaches they were bringing in Ward to replace him. I always wondered about that. Is that understood to be true by Pac-12 insiders? So I did some digging on what exactly transpired there. And Cam Ward announced that he had received an offer from Washington State and that then interim staff at the time with, with Jake Dickert about an hour or two after their their loss in the bowl game a season ago where Delora played in the first half and then kind of got injured, lower body injury, didn't play in the second half. Now, what I have found out is, and I haven't spoken to anyone per se, but this is what I've come to understand, and it makes a lot of sense. Jaden Delora was very supportive of his initial head coach, Nick Rolovich, after he was fired by Washington State through all the vaccine controversy. And so it never sat right with him what Washington State had done. And then Jake Dickert coming in wanted to bring a new offensive coordinator into the fold because their other one had also left with uh, with, with Rolovich when, when he was fired by Washington State. And so Delora had felt a sort of kinship to that coaching staff. And so the new one that was being formed with Jake Dickert at the helm was looking to bring in somebody else. And they went out and they hired Eric Morris, who was putting up a bunch of stats at Incarnate Ward as the head coach. And Cam Ward was his quarterback. And Morris wanted to bring Ward. And the Washington State coaching staff made the decision that they thought there was a higher ceiling there with Cam Ward than with Delora, who then was not totally all in on the idea of bringing in a new coaching staff, one that didn't recruit him to Washington state. And so then he ended up entering the transfer portal. And because that all kind of took place mid season, right? Where Dickert took over as the interim head coach. That's why everything happened so quickly by the time the season ended is it, it was building to that point, right? When Rolovich left, Delore was sitting there going, well, that's the guy who I wanted to play for. They'd built a chemistry because Delores from Hawaii and, and Rolovich came from there. They'd built a rapport prior to him coming over to Washington State. And then that's who he wanted to play for. And then when that was no longer an option, and then he heard about the quarterback that was coming in in, in Cam Ward, he decided to enter the transfer portal and Arizona is is the beneficiary there. So I hope that answers your question. And And to just comment on that real quick, none of that surprises me. What you see in the transfer portal a lot, guys who leave are often in the portal, not always, for one of two reasons. Number one, they're not playing as much as they want to. And number two, the coach 
or staff who they committed to play for are no longer with that university. They may try and follow that staff if they'll take them, or they may just look for a different option. Great example, Travis Dye going from Oregon to USC. Travis Dye played for four years at Oregon. He was really good, but he committed to play for Mario Cristobal and that staff, and when they left, he decided to go venture out and see what his other options were, and he's found a new home at USC, and he's thriving in that role, which doesn't surprise me one bit as someone who watched him a lot in his career with the Ducks. So those tend to be the motivating factors, and I think for Delora, it clearly wasn't a playing time issue, but it was about to become one. Because they were bringing in Morris, who said, I want to bring my guy, Cam Ward, who's my quarterback. That's the guy who I've been coaching for the last couple of years. We've got this great chemistry. The irony of all of this is Jaden Delora and Arizona have a better offense this year than Washington State. The Cougars have not had as good of an offense as they should have, frankly. We saw it from the start of the year against Idaho, right? They went on the road, played Wisconsin, only scored 17 points. But as Pac-12 play has gone on, the Cougars' defense is allowing less than 21 points a game. It's one of the best in the Pac-12. Their offense is not managing 25 points a game on average to this point. It has not been good enough. So it was a little bit of a gamble to move on from Delora. But in the eyes of Dickert and the new OC, Eric Morris, it was the right thing to do. And that's what they wanted to do. And Delora said, you know what? If you're going to go in that direction, you're not the staff I committed to play for. And I'm going to go explore my options. And he's now part of an Arizona rebuild that is well underway. Appreciate everyone listening. See you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day.